Chapter Eleventh of The Heart of Midlothian by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. My name is Argyle. You may well think it strange to live at the court and never to change. Ballad few names deserve more honourable mention in the history of scotland during this period than that of john duke of argyle and greenwich his talents as a statesman and a soldier were generally admitted he was not without ambition but without the illness that attends it without that irregularity of thought and aim which often excites great men in his peculiar situation for it was a very peculiar one to grasp the means of raising themselves to power at the risk of throwing a kingdom into confusion pope has distinguished him as argyle the state's whole thunder born to wield and shake alike the senate and the field he was alike free from the ordinary vices of statesmen falsehood namely and dissimulation and from those of warriors inordinate and violent thirst after self-aggrandizement scotland his native country stood at this time in a very precarious and doubtful situation she was indeed united to england but the cement had not had time to acquire consistence the irritation of ancient wrongs still subsisted and betwixt the fretful jealousy of the scottish and the supercilious disdain of the english quarrels repeatedly occurred in the course of which the national league so important to the safety of both was in the utmost danger of being dissolved scotland had besides the disadvantage of being divided into intestine factions which hated each other bitterly and waited but a signal to break forth into action in such circumstances another man with the talents and rank of argyle but without a mind so happily regulated would have sought to rise from the earth in the whirlwind and direct its fury he chose a course more safe and more honourable soaring above the petty distinctions of faction his voice was raised whether in office or opposition for those measures which were at once just and lenient his high military talents enabled him during the memorable year seventeen fifteen to render such services to the house of hanover as perhaps were too great to be either acknowledged or repaid he had employed too his utmost influence in softening the consequences of that insurrection to the unfortunate gentleman whom a mistaken sense of loyalty had engaged in the affair and was rewarded by the esteem and affection of his country in an uncommon degree this popularity with a discontented and warlike people was supposed to be a subject of jealousy at court where the power to become dangerous is sometimes of itself obnoxious 
though the inclination is not united with it besides the duke of argyle's independent and somewhat haughty mode of expressing himself in parliament and acting in public were ill calculated to attract royal favour he was therefore always respected and often employed but he was not a favourite of george the second his consort or his ministers at several different periods in his life the duke might be considered as in absolute disgrace at court although he could hardly be said to be a declared member of opposition this rendered him the dearer to scotland because it was usually in her cause that he incurred the displeasure of his sovereign and upon this very occasion of the porteous mob the animated and eloquent opposition which he had offered to the severe measures which were about to be adopted towards the city of edinburgh was the more gratefully received in that metropolis as it was understood that the duke's interposition had given personal offence to queen caroline his conduct upon this occasion as indeed that of all the scottish members of the legislature with one or two unworthy exceptions had been in the highest degree spirited the popular tradition concerning his reply to queen caroline has been given already and some fragments of his speech against the porteous bill are still remembered he retorted upon the chancellor lord hardwick the insinuation that he had stated himself in this case rather as a party than as a judge i appeal said argyle to the house to the nation if i can be justly branded with the infamy of being a jobber or a partisan have i been a briber of votes a buyer of boroughs the agent of corruption for any purpose or on behalf of any party consider my life examine my actions in the field and in the cabinet and see where there lies a blot that can attach to my honour i have shown myself the friend of my country the loyal subject of my king i am ready to do so again without an instant's regard to the frowns or smiles of a court i have experienced both and am prepared with indifference for either i have given my reasons for opposing this bill and have made it appear that it is repugnant to the international treaty of union to the liberty of scotland and reflectively to that of england to common justice to common sense and to the public interest shall the metropolis of scotland the capital of an independent nation the residence of a long line of monarchs by whom that noble city was graced and dignified shall such a city for the fault of an obscure and unknown body of rioters be deprived of its honours and its privileges its gates and its guards and shall a native scotsman tamely behold the havoc i glory my lords in opposing such unjust rigour and reckon it my dearest pride and honour to stand up in defence of my native country while thus laid open to undeserved shame 
and unjust spoliation other statesmen and orators both scottish and english used the same arguments the bill was gradually stripped of its most oppressive and obnoxious clauses and at length ended in a fine upon the city of edinburgh in favour of porteus's widow so that as somebody observed at the time the whole of these fierce debates ended in making the fortune of an old cookmaid such having been the good woman's original capacity the court however did not forget the baffle they had received in this affair and the duke of argyle who had contributed so much to it was thereafter considered as a person in disgrace it is necessary to place these circumstances under the reader's observation both because they are connected with the preceding and subsequent part of our narrative the duke was alone in his study when one of his gentlemen acquainted him that a country girl from scotland was desirous of speaking with his grace a country girl and from scotland said the duke what can have brought this silly fool to london some lover pressed and sent to sea or some stock sank in the south sea funds or some such hopeful concern i suppose and then nobody to manage the matter but macculloch well this same popularity has its inconveniences however show our countrywoman up archibald it is ill manners to keep her in attendance a young woman of rather low stature and whose countenance might be termed very modest and pleasing in expression though sunburnt somewhat freckled and not possessing regular features was ushered into the splendid library she wore the tartan plaid of her country adjusted so as partly to cover her head and partly to fall back over her shoulders a quantity of fair hair disposed with great simplicity and neatness appeared in front of her round and good-humoured face to which the solemnity of her errand and her sense of the duke's rank and importance gave an appearance of deep awe but not of slavish fear or fluttered bashfulness the rest of jeanie's dress was in the style of scottish maidens of her own class but arranged with that scrupulous attention to neatness and cleanliness which we often find united with that purity of mind of which it is a natural emblem she stopped near the entrance of the room made her deepest reverence and crossed her hands upon her bosom without uttering a syllable the duke of argyle advanced towards her and if she admired his graceful deportment and rich dress decorated with the orders which had been deservedly bestowed on him his courteous manner and quick and intelligent cast of countenance he on his part was not less or less deservedly struck with the quiet simplicity and modesty expressed in the dress manners and countenance of his humble countrywoman did you wish to speak with me my bonny lass said the duke 
using the encouraging epithet which at once acknowledged the connection betwixt them as country folk or did you wish to see the duchess my business is with your honour my lord i mean your lordship's grace and what is it my good girl said the duke in the same mild and encouraging tone of voice jeanie looked at the attendant leave us archibald said the duke and wait in the ante-room the domestic retired and now sit down my good lass said the duke take your breath take your time and tell me what you have got to say i guess by your dress you are just come up from poor scotland did you come through the streets in your tartan plaid no sir said jeanie a friend brought me in one of their street coaches a very decent woman she added her courage increasing as she became familiar with the sound of her own voice in such a presence your lordship's grace kens her it's mrs glass at the sign of the thistle oh my worthy snuff-merchant i have always a chat with mrs glass when i purchase my scots high-dried well but your business my bonny woman time and tide you know wait for no one your honour i beg your lordship's pardon i mean your grace for it must be noticed that this matter of addressing the duke by his appropriate title had been anxiously inculcated upon jeanie by her friend mrs glass in whose eyes it was a matter of such importance that her last words as jeanie left the coach were mind to say your grace and jeanie who had scarce ever in her life spoke to a person of higher quality than the laird of dumbydykes found great difficulty in arranging her language according to the rules of ceremony the duke who saw her embarrassment said with his usual affability never mind my grace lassie just speak out a plain tale and show you have a scots tongue in your head sir i am muckle obliged sir i am the sister of that poor unfortunate criminal effie deans who is ordered for execution at edinburgh ah said the duke i have heard of that unhappy story i think a case of child murder under a special act of parliament duncan forbes mentioned it at dinner the other day and i was come up from the north sir to see what could be done for her in the way of getting a reprieve or pardon sir or the like of that alas my poor girl said the duke you have made a long and a sad journey to very little purpose your sister is ordered for execution but i am given to understand that there is law for reprieving her if it is in the king's pleasure said jeanie certainly there is said the duke but that is purely in the king's breast the crime has been but too common the scots crown lawyers think it is right there should be an example then the late disorders in edinburgh have excited a prejudice in government against the nation at large which they think can only be managed by measures of intimidation and severity what argument have you my poor girl except the warmth of your sisterly affection to offer against all this what is your interest what friends have you at court 
none excepting god and your grace said jeanie still keeping her ground resolutely however alas said the duke i could almost say with old ormond that there could not be any whose influence was smaller with kings and ministers it is a cruel part of our situation young woman i mean of the situation of men in my circumstances that the public ascribe to them influence which they do not possess and that individuals are led to expect from them assistance which we have no means of rendering but candour and plain dealing is in the power of every one and i must not let you imagine you have resources in my influence which do not exist to make your distress the heavier i have no means of averting your sister's fate she must die we must all die sir said jeanie it is our common doom for our father's transgression but we shouldna hasten ilk other out of the world that's what your honour kens better than me my good young woman said the duke mildly we are all apt to blame the law under which we immediately suffer but you seem to have been well educated in your line of life and you must know that it is alike the law of god and man that the murderer shall surely die but sir effie that is my poor sister sir cannot be proved to be a murderer and if she be not and the law take her life notwithstanding what is it that is the murderer then i am no lawyer said the duke and i own i think the statute a very severe one you are a law-maker sir with your leave and therefore ye have power over the law answered jeanie not in my individual capacity said the duke though as one of a large body i have a voice in the legislation but that cannot serve you nor have i at present i care not who knows it so much personal influence with the sovereign as would entitle me to ask from him the most insignificant favour what could tempt you young woman to address yourself to me it was yourself sir myself he replied i am sure you have never seen me before no sir but all the world kens that the duke of argyle is his country's friend and that ye fight for the right and speak for the right and there's none like you in our present israel and so they that think themselves wronged draw to refuge under your shadow and if ye wanna stir to save the blood of an innocent countrywoman of your own what should we expect from southerns and strangers and maybe i had another reason for troubling your honour and what is that asked the duke i have understood from my father that your honour's house and especially your good sire and his father laid down their lives on the scaffold in the persecuting time and my father was honoured to give his testimony both in the cage and in the pillory as is specially mentioned in the books of peter walker the packman that your honour i dare say kens for he uses most partly the westland of scotland and sir there's one that takes concern in me 
that wished me to gang to your grace's presence for his good sire had done your gracious good sire some good turn as ye will see from these papers with these words she delivered to the duke a little parcel which she had received from butler he opened it and in the envelope read with some surprise musterol of the men serving in the troop of that godly gentleman captain salothiel bangtext obadiah muggleton sin despise double knock stand fast in faith gips turn to the right thackaway what the deuce is this a list of praise god barebones parliament i think or of old knoll's evangelical army that last fellow should understand his wheelings to judge by his name but what does all this mean my girl it was the other paper sir said jeanie somewhat abashed at the mistake oh this is my unfortunate grandfather's hand sure enough to all who may have friendship for the house of argyle these are to certify that benjamin butler of monk's regiment of dragoons having been under god the means of saving my life from four english troopers who were about to slay me i having no other present means of recompense in my power do give him this acknowledgment hoping that it may be useful to him or his during these troublesome times and do conjure my friends tenants kinsmen and whoever will do aught for me either in the highlands or lowlands to protect and assist the said benjamin butler and his friends or family on their lawful occasions giving them such countenance maintenance and supply as may correspond with the benefit he hath bestowed on me witness my hand lorne this is a strong injunction this benjamin butler was your grandfather i suppose you seem too young to have been his daughter he was no akin to me sir he was grandfather to one to a neighbour's son to a sincere well-wisher of mine sir dropping her little courtesy as she spoke oh i understand said the duke a true love affair he was the grandsire of one you are engaged to one i was engaged to sir said jeanie sighing but this unhappy business of my poor sister what said the duke hastily he has not deserted you on that account has he no sir he would be the last to leave a friend in difficulties said jeanie but i mun think for him as well as for myself he is a clergyman sir and it would not beseem him to marry the like of me with this disgrace on my kindred you are a singular young woman said the duke you seem to think of every one before yourself and have you really come up from edinburgh on foot to attempt this hopeless solicitation for your sister's life it was not altogether on foot sir answered jeanie for i sometimes got a cast in a wagon and i had a horse from ferrybridge and then the coach well never mind all that interrupted the duke what reason have you for thinking your sister innocent 
because she has not been proved guilty as will appear from looking at these papers she put into his hand a note of the evidence and copies of her sister's declaration these papers butler had procured after her departure and saddletree had them forwarded to london to mrs glass's care so that jeanie found the documents so necessary for supporting her suit lying in readiness at her arrival sit down in that chair my good girl said the duke until i glance over the papers she obeyed and watched with the utmost anxiety each change in his countenance as he cast his eye through the papers briefly yet with attention and making memoranda as he went along after reading them hastily over he looked up and seemed about to speak yet changed his purpose as if afraid of committing himself by giving too hasty an opinion and read over again several passages which he had marked as being most important all this he did in shorter time than can be supposed by men of ordinary talents for his mind was of that acute and penetrating character which discovers with the glance of intuition what facts bear on the particular point that chances to be subjected to consideration at length he rose after a few minutes deep reflection young woman said he your sister's case must certainly be termed a hard one god bless you sir for that very word said jeanie it seems contrary to the genius of british law continued the duke to take that for granted which is not proved or to punish with death for a crime which for aught the prosecutor has been able to show may not have been committed at all god bless you sir again said jeanie who had risen from her seat and with clasped hands eyes glittering through tears and features which trembled with anxiety drank in every word which the duke uttered but alas my poor girl he continued what good will my opinion do you unless i could impress it upon those in whose hands your sister's life is placed by the law besides i am no lawyer and i must speak with some of our scottish gentlemen of the gown about the matter oh but sir what seems reasonable to your honour will certainly be the same to them answered jeanie i do not know that replied the duke ilka man buckles his belt his own gate you know our old scots proverb but you shall not have placed this reliance on me altogether in vain leave these papers with me and you shall hear from me to-morrow or next day take care to be at home at mrs glass's and ready to come to me at a moment's warning it will be unnecessary for you to give mrs glass the trouble to attend you and by the by you will please to be dressed just as you are at present i would have puttin on a cap sir said jeanie but your honour kens it isna the fashion of my country for single women and i judged that being so many hundred miles from home your grace's heart would warm to the tartan looking at the corner of her plaid you judged quite right said the duke i know the full value of the snood 
and mac cullimore's heart will be as cold as death can make it when it does not warm to the tartan now go away and don't be out of the way when i send jeanie replied there is little fear of that sir for i have little heart to go see sights among this wilderness of black houses but if i might say to your gracious honour that if ye ever condescend to speak to any one that is of greater degree than yourself though maybe it isna civil in me to say so just if you would think there can be no sick odds between you and them as between poor jeanie deans from st leonard's and the duke of argyle and so dinna be chapit back or cast down with the first rough answer i am not apt said the duke laughing to mind rough answers much do not you hope too much from what i have promised i will do my best but god has the hearts of kings in his own hand jeanie curtsied reverently and withdrew attended by the duke's gentleman to her hackney coach with a respect which her appearance did not demand but which was perhaps paid to the length of the interview with which his master had honoured her End of chapter eleventh